In this episode, we're going to lift the lid on the hidden costs of buying your first home. Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today, we're talking about the hidden costs of buying your first home. Everybody talks about the challenges of saving enough money to pay a 20% deposit, but that isn't enough. There are also hidden costs that you need to be prepared for. But before we get into that, what is your special house this week, Melbourne? It looks like, I mean, Megan, I said Melbourne. We are all feeling for Melbourne at the moment. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh what do you think Veronica you're taking a guess what, what, what do you reckon we're doing here um skating oh, inside like so um, this looks like an in- indoors skateboard rink or, do you call it a rink the skate house it was built in Malibu California uh it was actually designed by an architect who was a former pro skater love it can just imagine the parties that you'd have in there and the accidents <laughs> yeah I could just also imagine just like even just being on Proper in proper footing. And look, I must say again, apologies for anybody who's not watching the video. <laughs> you should have no idea what we're talking about. Really but I must, YouTube. <laughs> it's one, it's got curved floors, right? So I can imagine, you know, like a couple a of years under your skin, mm. you'd be wandering. <laughs> anyway, Anyhow, I don't we digress. Know what to say. Now, we digress. It's probably not the kind of house you're going to have as your first dream home, but if you're a skater, you can really dream on. Uh, but <laughs> If you've decided to save up your deposit to buy your first property, then the next question usually is, how much should I save to buy my first home? Now, there are a couple of ways to approach this. You can start by working out a budget, stick to it, start savings. We did do an episode on quicker ways to save your deposit, so check that out. Um, When you think you have enough, you might then go to your bank or your mortgage advisor. Of course, we recommend a broker and then work Mm -hmm. out how much you can borrow. Or you could try to work out how much money you'll need to buy the type of property you want and set this as your savings goal. And bear in mind that over time, this figure will grow if prices are increasing, which is a bit of a sad reality. Mm -hmm. Particularly, It's not sad once you own a property, though. (laughs) Yes. Once you own a property, you're quite happy for prices to go up. But before you own a property, you hate the idea of prices going up. Too true. 
Yeah. It's ideal to aim for a 20% deposit. We've talked about that before. However, it's not um, probably not everybody does that. Mm. The minimum target, I think, probably needs to be 10%. Plus, there are a few more significant expenses that you will need to budget for. So, how much extra will you need? Megan. Well, let's have a look. Let's break it down. So the first thing you need to think about is stamp duty or transfer duty, as it's called in some states. And this is the biggest additional cost. The amount varies from state to state, but you need to allow somewhere between about three and five and a half percent of the purchase price. Now, ouch, yeah. you have to have that up front. It, in some states, you pay it on the 30th day, even if the property hasn't settled. So you may not have your money from the bank by that point. Um, in other states, it's, it's paid just upon settlement. So different states also offer um, stamp duty exemptions or reductions for first-time buyers. If you jump online, Google stamp duty calculator in your state and go to the relevant state revenue office, not any sort of stamp duty calculator on any other site, only the, the, the state revenue office in your state, then you can put in your details and it'll give you an estimate of the stamp duty that you're probably going to have to pay. Yeah, because look, there are taxes at all levels of government, right? And we'll get to the local government taxes later on in this episode, but um, this is a state-based tax. It is a tax. Stamp duty is a tax. So that's why it's important for you to make sure you check in the relevant one because the rate changes from state to state. And just one other thing would say that, you know, a lot of first-home buyers would be saying, well, I just want to avoid paying stamp duty by making sure that I fulfill the requirements of my state in terms of, you know, what I need to do as a first-home buyer to get it for free mm. or to get a discount. But we have always said this, if it requires that you buy a brand new property in order to qualify, then please steer clear. If you're getting stamp duty reductions for other reasons, maybe saying under threshold or maybe a, a number of different ways that you might be able to qualify, then look into it further. But if you if the stipulation is it has to be uh, brand new, please be very, very careful about doing that. Yeah, now, and, and we've talked about that quite a lot in different uh, um, different podcasts and, and blogs and so forth, and we do talk about it ad nauseum in the course. Um, do not make a long-term decision, which is which property is the right one to buy based on a short-term benefit, which is saving a little bit of stamp duty. Yeah. Now, due diligence costs. These are very important that you do your due diligence during your property search process and and we've actually got some episodes on due diligence there are costs obviously of for legals and doing inspections and the due diligence basically means making sure that there's no reason why you shouldn't buy the property so you'll need to check out the contract do a building your pest inspection or a strata report if you're not buying a house and when you've found a property you like the biggest way to reduce the risk is to do your due diligence now there's a lot to cover and you don't want to take shortcuts so download our free checklist it's an easy way to ensure that you don't miss anything in there all checklists and lots of things that are available for free and also for small costs on the website now it's safe to factor in about two to three thousand dollars for legals so that's your conveyance or solicitor including all of the additional costs for disbursements and reports that you might need if you're going to buy an apartment or a townhouse something that's on a group title or a strata title you'll need to order a strata report or a body corporate record search which will cost upwards of 250 300 and you may also need a second report if it's in a large complex with lots of community facilities 
Um, if you're going to buy a house, you should get that building and pest inspection. The other options that you want to think about is if there's a pool, you might want to check out the there's no leaks or the equipment works, maybe an electrical inspection, plumbing. Uh, um, in New South Wales, I know that you get a, a survey, a boundary survey, but you don't get that in other states. So you want to do a boundary survey, make sure there's no encroachments either on of your property onto other people's properties or other people's properties onto yours. Um, now, all of these things can, can certainly start to add up, but at a minimum, a building and pest inspection will have a professional look at the, um, the important aspects of the property that may cost you money in the short term. So about six to $800 is what you're looking at there. And in some circumstances, as we say, you'll, you'll want to have some more. Now, I don't know if you found this in Queensland, but I know that in New South Wales, absolutely, we find this a lot, and that is where the agents have actually commissioned a strata report or a building and pest inspection on behalf of the age of the owner of the property. And so the owner pays for it um, in some cases, and it's offered free to purchasers. In other cases, the purchaser might pay a small amount of money. They might pay, I've seen as low as $29 for a report that might otherwise cost, say, four or $500. Um, and then sometimes there's an additional fee you pay if you're the successful buyer. So there are, there are sort of ways that you may not have to pay this much money to get individual reports when you look at specific properties, right? And different agents will have different companies that they do this through and some don't do it still and some do. You've got to be a bit careful though here. And in, I, I think that whenever time allows, getting your own building and pest inspection is advisable because you can, it's sort of obvious the, um, the, uh, the the conflict of interest, if you like, or the actual fact that the owner is going to want to have a building pest inspection that's favourable, you know, it's a little less the issue with strata reports because someone just goes and looks at what, what is available um, in terms of the minutes at the strata inspector's office, um, the minutes and all the records, you know, that's a little less, I guess, open to just being a bit conflicted, but certainly the building and pest inspection. Now, whenever possible, you'd want to discuss the findings in that report with the inspector. And if they won't talk to you, then that's another a bit of a red flag. So, you know, whilst we're saying, yes, you need to account for these costs, you absolutely do have to account for them. Just be mindful that saving money sometimes in these areas is, is a short-term, very much a short-term way of going about doing your due diligence. Mm, really good points, Veronica. And, and uh, again, as we said before, making a short-term decision to save some money could cost you an awful lot in the long term. And I'm just jumping just ahead here. This is not something necessarily that's a purchasing cost, but some lawyers or conveyances may even talk to you about title insurance. And so this is actually, we talk, Megan spoke earlier about getting a survey to make sure the boundaries are where they are meant to be. And, and there's things like, you know, whether the, the there's encroachments or whether the building overhangs the, the property next door, for instance, or whether they overhang yours or the fences are in the right spots or even where whether, um, you know, renovation works have been done illegally or legally or whatever. So all of these things um there's lots of ways to search to try to find out whether these these things have been done. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's not possible to do it in the short time frame. And sometimes there are sort of risks with certain types of properties that may not be with others. And so your conveyancer or lawyer may talk to you about title insurance, which is actually an insurance policy you can take out when you're purchasing a property to give you some level of protection and coverage in the event that any of these things sort of backfire. So absolutely never rely on that instead 
whether doing your due diligence, but sometimes you might need that extra level of, of protection and that might set you back, you know, $1,200 or something in that ilk um, as well. So it's just something to consider as a potential hidden cost. Different state by state again, as we mm-hmm. as we always have. On oh, that. yes. <laughs> but bank fees. Now, the bank may have some charges to add to the tally. These include loan establishment fees, document fees, bank valuations, and these could set you back somewhere in the vicinity of $1,000 to $1,200 with some banks. Uh, you could also be up for annual fees, depending on how you stru- what your mortgage strategy is and how you've structured your loan. So make sure you get all of that information up front from your lender or your mortgage broker, which of course is is what we recommend. Lender's mortgage insurance is one that um, some people are aware of. If if your deposit is going to be less than 20% of the purchase price, you will probably need to factor in lender's mortgage insurance unless you're taking advantage of some of the schemes that are available in 2021. They may change in the future. So, But, I mean, the interesting thing, Veronica, is if you're a doctor or a lawyer or, or certain professions, you might actually be able to avoid paying this as long as you've saved up enough to cover, say, 10% of the deposit plus your costs. So make sure you talk to a very good broker about all the options. The cost of LMI, Lenders Mortgage Insurance, varies from bank to bank. So to be safe, you might allow about 2% of the amount you'll be, you'll be borrowing. Now, you may want to avoid this impossible, if possible, I should say, and, and I can totally understand why you'd want to because it feels like just an added cost for what. But be open-minded and talk to your broker about it because in a hot property market where prices are rising faster than you can save, it actually might make sense to cop the extra expense so that you can get on the property ladder earlier. Mm, absolutely. There's uh, the brokers that we talked to, Veronica, and we've interviewed a few on, on the podcast, have talked about there being a bit of a sweet spot. Uh, so mm. whilst if you if you have your full 20% deposit, there's no lender's mortgage insurance, at about 88% apparently, and, and this is something you need to talk to the professional about, we're not giving you advice to go and do this, but talk to the mortgage broker about calculating this. The, the, the uh, difference between what you pay in lender's mortgage insurance and what you might have to save to get that, that additional 8%, um, 8%? No, 12. <laughs> yeah, eight. eight. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're talking about saving a 12% deposit instead of a 20%. Instead of 20%. Deposit, yeah. yeah. So the, the difference actually could, when you look at it on balance, if it gets you into a property quicker in a rapidly rising market, you actually might find that that is worth investigating. Absolutely. Now, what's the total amount? Mm. <laughs> do you well, want to run through? Let's it, do it. Megan, originally. You're an accountant by originally, weren't you? No, I don't know accountant? where you no? got that from. Where did I, I get that I idea from? I worked for a large accounting firm, but in um, oh, that might be human why. resource <laughs> consulting and risk management. No, not an accountant. <laughs> but let's go with well, it anyway. Uh, to give you yeah, an idea, why not? Let's, let's not pretend I'm anything that I'm not. Uh, to give you an idea of the total amount you'll need to save for your first time, let's assume you buy a property worth $500,000. Um, this might be regionally based, by the way, not in the capital cities. You're definitely not in Sydney. <laughs> deposit. 20% is $100,000. Stamp duty roughly may be around $18,000 depending on what state you're in and what concessions you might be eligible for. Due diligence might add up to about $4,000 depending on the type of property that you're purchasing. 
bank charges, let's assume that's about $1,000, rates um, rates and transfer uh, fees for the local council around $500. So if, if we work on that assumption of around $500,000 as your purchase price, then you'll need to save at least $123,000. Um, now that can sound like a fairly big hill to climb, but you need to be aware of those extra hidden costs and not just be focusing on the $100,000 because you won't be able to settle your property if you haven't got all the money that you need. Yes, very painful. Or you might get hit with a LMI or lender's mortgage insurance bill you didn't weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Now, if you decide to buy with 10% deposit, you will need to factor in LMI um, and save up to around 8 So in the same scenario, but you're only saving 10%, then what you're going to have to basically save up is is just over $82,000. And obviously, this is a much more achievable savings target. Just remember that your ongoing mortgage repayments will be a little higher because you're borrowing more money. You don't get anything around about you. (laughs) Now, of course, you might have parents who are willing to help you and they might even be prepared to go guarantor on your mortgage. And we've put together an overview of what you and they need to know before you go down this path. Mm, Don't forget that also be more cost to budget for after you've settled the purchase. So you've got to think about moving costs, insuring the property and your contents, council rates that will come up every quarter, um, water and sewage charges, transfer fees that will often appear on your first rates notice, strata levies, perhaps special levies that you weren't expecting, emergency maintenance that wasn't picked up in in, um, the due diligence that you did, or just one of those things that happens. You know, I don't know, I I cannot tell you the number of people who had real thorough building and pest inspections and so forth but a hot water system can break down at any point in time any point in time and it could it doesn't have to be more than two years old for for it to you know basically blow a gasket and i don't even know if they've got gaskets anymore they don't have gaskets I don't think so. Anyway. Get my point, I mean, right? You know, these, yeah, these yeah. things can just happen. <laughs> the exhaust fan in the bathroom, Murphy's can Law. Stop. You know, the, mm. um, the the washers in the taps can suddenly fail. Uh, th- these things can happen, even if you do your best due diligence. This is part of home ownership, and you have to have a kitty of available funds to deal with those sorts of things. Because oh my goodness, I could not imagine being in lockdown in Melbourne in winter and having hot no hot water. No, that wouldn't be much fun, would it? <laughs> now, you do need to make sure that you've got enough money left over to pay those ongoing expenses, but also on settlement, you know, as you, as um, Megan's talking about, you know, you're going to have things like your strata levies and your council rates, et cetera, et cetera. And what a lot of people don't realise is on settlement, you have to actually give the vendor, the owner of the property, a, a refund effectively for the portion of that quarter's rates and other fees that they've already paid mm. that they've paid in advance. So with your, your council rates, for instance, you pay quarterly usually, or they may have paid annually even. If they've mm. paid, say, for the next quarter and you're only one month into the quarter, then you're going to have to refund them two months' worth. Yep. So and that, that catches out people quite often mm. when they're actually settling on the Pre-paid property. They weren't expenses. expecting that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But all... Don't forget everyday maintenance. So Megan's talking about, you know, emergency maintenance there, you know, your hot water system blows or, or you know, blows a gasket. <laughs> um, You're always going to say that you know, now. It's in your head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm going to question, do they have gaskets? I know they have valves. But anyway, they could blow a valve. Um, you know. Shows how long I've been in the ev- industry. 
<laughs> There's everyday maintenance, right? Paint windows. If you're if you got timber windows, they need to be painted. Mm-hmm. If the exterior of your house is weatherboard, it needs to be painted. If if you've got gutters, you need to clean those gutters out regularly and uh, get all the leaves out of them. And if you're not going to do it, you need to get somebody up there to do mm-hmm. it. If you've got external timber work, you need to to do um, estopol or yeah. whatever. Yeah, keep it on. Mm-hmm. Um, these this is things all preventative because- maintenance, so it doesn't absolutely. Add up. The ongoing maintenance of any home is, remember when we interviewed the building inspector, Peter Mazier, mm. one of the early podcasts, have a go back and listen to that one. It's fascinating about, you know, things that can go wrong with buildings. But he said that the minute it's finished being built, it starts deteriorating. So once you buy a property, you will be on the hook to keep it up to scratch. Absolutely. You should. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what What's another way we can save money when we buy our first home, Veronica? You know, we've talked about all of these additional costs that you need to save for, the hidden costs, the things you need to be aware of. You don't want to get caught out. You want to have a spreadsheet that every time you look at a property and you price it and you say, well, can I afford this property? You have to think about the additional costs, just, not just the purchase price, and then can you afford it in an ongoing nature? Um, but a really, really, really big important part of how to save money when you're buying a property is to not overpay. Mm-hmm. Now, it's really hard in a rapidly rising market to pinpoint where that sweet spot of not overpaying but not continually missing out is. And I guess that's where it's really important to do your price research thoroughly. So download our free mini course if you haven't already done it and you'll learn how to avoid paying too much. Absolutely. Well, we hope that this has helped you really get your grip around exactly how much money you need to buy your first property and to keep it once you have it. (laughs) In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff. 